Please turn in your New Testaments to Hebrews 11, verses 32 through 40, as we are finishing up this chapter of Scripture called the Hall of Faith, kind of the Hall of Fame of those who really put their trust in God. And it's the very end, Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. And this is God's very word to us. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, or of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some, however, were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, I have come to remember and think of this passage as the, quote, sawn in two passage. I don't know about you, but from the very first time I read this, and this is an amazing list of of people who live by faith, I just can't get around sawn in two. Uh, Throughout Hebrews 11, as we've been looking at people, we've kind of gone one by one, you know, by faith, Abraham, and we talk a little bit about Abraham, by faith, Moses. Then we took little clusters of of two and three, but, but now... In this conclusion of this chapter, it's no longer one person at a time. It's, it's suddenly kind of the, the flourishing of, of a whole lot of people at one, at once. You know, it, when I read Hebrews 11, it's kind of like a fireworks display. You know, in a fireworks display, you have this firework go off and, and it's like, boom! And everybody goes, whoa, that's incredible! And then there's a little bit of time and then another one goes up, boom! that's a little different and that's incredible that's kind of like the beginning of hebrews 11 and all of a sudden we get into this boom 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 i mean it's just you know not even everybody's named it's this flourish of of staccato faith 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 and and for me and i don't know about you but for for me you know in the fireworks display in that that grand finale sawn in two is kind of like that one have you ever noticed that one that kind of spirals as it goes up and it goes a little higher than the rest, and then just boom, just kind of supernovas, like the Tinkerbell Disney thing, you know. Uh, sawn in two. There, there it is. 
And uh, what I'd like to do this morning, are you ready for the grand finale of uh, the Hall of Faith? Uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to break this not just into two paragraphs like the scriptures do, but really into two clusters of people. And God is saying two different things about the lives of these clusters of people. Uh, the first cluster of people are those people that really had to put their faith in the Lord and they actually saw the answer in their lifetime. They saw victory. They saw God answer. Love that in my life. Cluster two is a little more difficult. Cluster two are those people that had to trust God in their life and they didn't see the answer in their lifetime. And, and, and things didn't quite go just the way they were, you know, hoping that they would go. And so I'd like to call these two clusters Victory Now and Victory Later. And I'd like to make the case that our lives are not one cluster or the other. But I think we kind of have seasons of our life in cluster one and seasons of our life in cluster two. Seasons of our lives when we really do see uh, things happening. We Sometimes God really answers and we see it and then um, probably more difficult is some time in cluster two but but the 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 big common denominator is faith and i want to talk about just what that faith is as we finish this chapter on faith so let's look at these two clusters of people cluster one victory now Yes, God does move. God, God is calling us to walk in faith with him. God is calling us. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We kind of see it in our mind. We believe that God is calling us to pray for something, to trust him, to step out in faith. We don't feel like, you know, there's just this great like unknown and, and no one cares. We know that God is in our lives, over our lives, and we are walking in faith with him. Now, I don't want to go into the real details of, of all the people in Cluster 1 because we would have to be here a lot longer than you would want to be here. But let me just read it again and, and just add a little comment to the text and just kind of point out a few examples from Scripture so as you'll, you'll kind of get a little feel for this, okay? All right, 11.32, Hebrews 11.32, And what more shall I say, for time would fail me, and it fails me to tell of Gideon, who defeated the Midianites when Israel needed victory. Barak, who defeated the armies of Sisera when things looked really bad. Samson, who defeated the Philistines. Jephthah, who defeated the Amorites. David and Samuel, who defeated the Philistines. And all the prophets, it says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, Obtained promises. That one's going to come back. Obtained promises. Stop the mouths of lions. Can you think of, of Daniel in the lion's den, of David when he was a shepherd? Quench the power of the fire. Can you think maybe of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace? Uh, escaped the edge of the sword. Lots of people. Okay, here's one that will come back in a moment. Were made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. Women receive back their dead by resurrection. This is going to come back to. Uh, there are two women in the Old Testament that saw a resurrection of their sons. One with Elijah, the prophet, and the other with Elisha, the prophet. 
Look, I mean, that's, a, that's an incredible list of amazing things uh, that were happening and people that trusted God, walked with him, and saw incredible victories. Now, I want to make a little side note here because, you know, you kind of get to the, the hall of faith. It's like, man, those people aren't like me. Those people really trusted God, and I struggle with trusting God. No, actually, these people were just like you and just like me. And, and the little aside has to do with the fact that that I'm kind of glad, in a way, that the people here, if we were to go into the details of their life, they're not really exemplary. You know, King David, you know, adultery-murder combo, that's not exemplary. Uh, Jephthah, in his lack of judgment, not exemplary. Samson, oh my, Samson. And Delilah, you've seen the movie, right? It sizzles. Okay, no, bad judgment. Um, but I'm kind of glad because th- these people are, are brought into this text as exemplars, as examples of faith because at a season, a, a cluster one season of their life, they really did trust God. And God answered their faith. And they were not judged, finally. Their life was not judged by one act. Isn't that great? They were all sinners and weak we read just like you and just like me and uh and yet israel was delivered do you see what snuck in here in verse 34 they were made strong out of weakness they needed faith and through faith god gave weak people what they needed now you realize you read this they put foreign armies to the flight and they you know, slew this and stopped the mouths of lions. Um, look, in cluster one, they didn't know how it was going to turn out when they ventured into this. I mean, it really took faith. I'll give you a great example. In Daniel 3, 17, and it's one of my favorite examples of, of how you, you walk with God, how you put your trust in God, and things don't have to go your way. For you to still believe in God, this is where Nebuchadnezzar is about to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. I mean, it's so hot. And, I mean, they're just going to be incinerated. And so, you know, Nebuchadnezzar being the the emperor of the world kind of gives them some last thing to say. And, of course, he thinks they're just going to beg for their lives far from it. Now, here's what they said to him. It's recorded in Daniel 3, 17 and 18. They said, Neb, no, they didn't call him Neb, Nebuchadnezzar. They said, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from that burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if he doesn't deliver us, Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship your golden image that you have set up. In other words, our God is God. We don't have to obey you. And He, we believe he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, it's okay. We still believe in him. We're not bowing down to you. Make our day. Throw us in the furnace. And if you read on a little in the text, it says, and of course, Nebuchadnezzar's face changed, it says, and he was wroth. Nobody talked to Nebuchadnezzar that way. And he screamed, throw them in the fire. 
And then it wasn't long later that he said, bring them up out of the fire. And there were three in the fire and one looked like the son of man. Maybe you've experienced times like this, not that dramatic. But, um, you know, maybe, let's say you're in school, you're in junior high, high school, and there's just a lot of pressure to kind of flow with instead of trusting God and, and walking, you know, in his way, which leads to peace, but we don't always see it right away. Maybe, but maybe sometime, you, you know, you really did not deny the Lord. And God gave you faith to say no. That's a big deal. Uh, maybe someone was healed of a disease, or maybe someone changed their life from really destructive habit patterns destroying them and everybody else said there's no hope and that person can't ever change you know in a therapized culture we tend to say well if you ever if you're ever diagnosed with that you're done but no you you trusted god you you prayed and and god began to to move in that person's life or or maybe you saw something that wasn't right and you just decided you're going to write it and that God wants you to write it. Maybe you saw some injustice and you reacted to it. And, and maybe other people noticed that reaction and, and it made a difference. I, I don't know. Or some other way you had to trust God. But you know if you've ever trusted God, you were a weak person that God gave the strength to because God was calling you to do that. Okay, so cluster one. Those people that trusted in God and saw the answer in their life. Solve the victory now. Cluster two, victory later. Um, these are people in cluster two that uh, did not see the answer. Now, the people in cluster two are not failures. There's no difference between the people in cluster two that didn't see the answer and people in cluster one. The only difference between the two is one of the, one group saw the answer. And the other group did not see the answer. The common denominator is they both had to put faith. Okay, so verse 33, cluster 1, you see the words, they obtained the promises. You see that? Verse 39, this is cluster 2, they did not receive what was promised. There it is. Didn't mean they had less faith. And and look, people that tell you if you're sick, you know, if you just had enough faith, you'd be well. And if you don't get well, then it's the fact that you don't have enough faith. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to this prosperity gospel that God wants everybody to be rich and everybody wants everybody to be always happy and have everything just the way they want. No, no. Some wandered in deserts with sheepskin and goatskins and had to live in caves. Some were sawn in two. And these are the people of faith. In fact, I think we could make the case that faith in cluster two requires more faith to live in cluster two and in a cluster two type of time than cluster one. Let me just read it again just so we can remember what cluster two is about. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Some were stoned. Others were sawn in two. 
They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them, wandering about in deserts, kind of on the run, you know, like fugitives, wandering around in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, verse 39, who, though commended through their faith, just like cluster one, did not receive what was promised. You know, these people show us that you can trust God when it's not going your way. And you feel like you're losing. And it's not about whether you're losing or winning. And you can trust God when it's not going your way. You can trust God in the grind when the needle's not moving and you're ready for the needle to move. Because faith is the focus here. Just walking with God, not seeing a particular answer to it. You know, I've mentioned before, like, I'm thinking of this person that I admire. Like, who are the people that you admire the most? You know, parenthetically, you know the pastors I admire the most? The pastors I admire the most are not pastors of large churches. They're pastors of small churches in small dying towns that remain faithful. And it feels like they're losing, and they are not losers. And they love God. And they're walking with God by faith. Those are my heroes. And in other situations, they're quite difficult. But I tell you, I'm thinking right now of a, of a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman who is living in year 201 of the 400-year captivity and slavery in Egypt. You get what I'm saying here? This is someone who is walking with God. This is someone who is crying out for deliverance every day of their lives, and he or she will not see it. Will not. Okay, this person's like 44 years of age now, and they still every day walk with God, even though people around them are being ground to powder. How are you feeling about the faith of this person? I'm in awe. Of, of the faith of this person. Because you know with this person God is the point. And not the answer. And like having faith that God will provide what is needed during the difficulty. Is the point. Because it's 200. It's 199 years until deliverance. I mean this person his or her life might make a pretty monotonous Facebook page. but a wildly beautiful portrait of faith in cluster two. Kind of like the faith that gets written down in the Bible. You know, like in Hebrews 11. And the commentary on these people, the world wasn't worthy of them. See, things weren't working the way they wanted it to work. And, and, and things, the world wasn't treating them like they wanted it to treat them because they were going with God rather than the world. I mean, we got that choice too, don't we? A lot of times we can deny the Lord and we can go with the world. And, you know, that's not faith. And I'll make the case in a moment that doesn't lead to peace and that doesn't re- lead to real life and love anyway. But um, no, how about this? The world was not worthy of them. They were different from the world. They, they were people of faith. They stood out. Your life will have different seasons that present different tests to your faith. You can just write that down. You already know it. 
If you, if you think you're going to finally get to a point where you understand everything and master everything, it's kind of like you've been trying to get up on one ski in your life and dragging in the water, and one day you're going to pop up and it's not going to be as hard. You're a fool. Life in a fallen world is always going to be a challenge. And that's a part of what makes it interesting. That's a part of how we in our weakness draw the very strength and power of God. This is a part of how we sense and know the current of God's working in our lives. To my God. This is, this is an amazing thing, this idea of a human being walking with God, having faith, and, and God supplying what that person needs. You know, sometimes these things that present to us are, are going to present maybe in this question, are you going to overcome this? Are you, are you going to trust God to overcome this? And sometimes the question is, are you just going to hang in there? That's, that, that's cluster two. Are you just going to hang in there? Um, you and I have to, as modern people, we need to get face-to-face with the notion that life isn't always going to fit the way we want it to fit. Life's not a puzzle that we select all the pieces and we make it fit. I know that's the way it's kind of portrayed. It doesn't work that way. We're not in charge, nor can we manufacture the pieces. Life happens. And it not only happens because of our choices, good and bad. It happens to us through the actions of other people. It happens to us through economies that bottoms drop out of, through all kinds of things that occur that, that we couldn't have planned for, and life is just happening. You know, today the, the idea of my life is a story is very, is very big in our culture. And look, I mean, that's true, saying our life is a narrative. And if you mean our life is sequential and it has meaning and it's flowing, I'm down with that. But the idea that you can write your story and make it be exactly what you want it to be, no. We're going to have to live in category two as well as category one as believers in Christ. You know, the idea that you come to Jesus and your life gets easy, who said that? You come to Jesus and your life gets better. It gets clearer. It makes more sense. It gets love. It gets othering. It gets meaningful. But it doesn't get easy. Now, God ultimately writes our stories. We're responsible to trust the Lord. We're responsible to make choices. We're, you know, we don't want to be passive in our lives. We want to be very active in our lives. But you know what cluster two tells us? Sometimes we're sawn in two, and that's our story. I mean, look, last week... Somebody broke into a church in France and cut the throat of a priest. And that's his story. That could happen today, and that would be my story, right? And, you know, we, we, we don't have to fear. I read this passage, and one of the things I think about is I think about right now, brothers and sisters in Christ, people who've trusted in Jesus and know the love of God, the acceptance of God, and have this this wonderful desire for his kingdom and his grace to come to other people. Um, They live in North Korea. They live in Iran. They live in Saudi Arabia. Um, They live in these very, very difficult places in the Middle East where it's really hard to ever be identified with Jesus. 
and some of them are beaten. In fact, you know the the, uh, the word here uh, for persecuted literally means to be temporized, like a timpani drum. The whole thing means to be beaten. You know, um, there are people right now that love Christ that are being beaten. Some are being mocked. Some are being imprisoned. I mean, I'm just kind of reading off the list. That's happening right this moment, and they they amaze me. Do you, do you ever every once in a while get a testimony? coming out of the Middle East or, or coming out of different places in the Far East, and you say, whoa, who are these people? Well, that would be us if God thrust us into category, into, into cluster two. That would be what we'd have to face. And Christ is big enough, and his grace is enough, and faith in him is enough. You see, this is, I mean, it doesn't matter if you live in Jackson or Jerusalem or Madison or Madagascar. This is what it is. It's faith. And this is the really amazing thing. You and I do need in our lives right now a faith that can handle anything. Let me say that again. What's so great about this is this shows us a faith that can handle anything. We need a faith that can handle anything. And uh, Hebrews 11 assures us that with Christ... We can, and that nobody can take away our faith. We could refuse to be released and be killed because there's a better resurrection. That's how it starts. Nobody can take it away from us, and we don't have to fear. And you know what this text says? This text says that God has given us something better than them. He's given us something better than them. Um, and, you'll, and I'll read that, that, that verse, verse 39 in a second. You know, we're living, this is all about the Old Testament saints. This is a New Testament book looking back. And by the way, Isaiah, uh, Hebrew tradition says that Isaiah was sawn in two, the prophet, in case you're wondering who sawn in two might be. Um, but that's all the Old Testament. They are all looking in faith to Christ who would come. They are all living in a covenant where the presence of God is just as intense through belief, through faith. We're on the other side of the cross. We're on the other side of the empty tomb. Now, see, we see the mighty acts of God have already unfolded. We get to participate in what is no longer something that will happen that we believe in, but something that has happened. And, uh, and, and faith in this passage boils down to, in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what are these things? You know, these things don't have to be a particular thing. Let, let me just give you a great concluding definition of faith for Hebrews 11. Faith in Hebrews 11 is simply faith in the love of God and the God of love. It is just faith that God is good. It is faith that, is, that if, you, if you choose to walk with God, God will give you what is best God really is the most loving. God really is the all good. God really knows and sees from a 60,000 foot higher level what we can't see. And we can trust him. And we can trust him today. And, and look, I know that I've said this a lot. And I'm going to say it again today and I'll probably say it again in a few weeks. But the reason I say this is because we live in an age of skepticism and and from some angles rightly so 
where people question whether Christ really is the Messiah. And I, I know Christians and they're hypocrites. And, you know, I'm not sure I believe in science. I'm not sure I believe in faith. And, I mean, all these things. And, by the way, we, we don't mock these things. I mean, these are real questions that real people have. And, and can we just admit that there's a whole lot of snake oil sold in the name of Jesus? This isn't snake oil. Faith in the love of God is what this is. And here's what I've told you a lot of times. I'll tell you again. You can trust a dying Savior. You see, a dying Savior is not coming to get something out of you. Nobody's trying to manipulate you. This is God who loved. God so loved the world that he sent because he loves you. This is God who gave everything. On a cross. There's no snake oil here. You want to know who you can trust? We know that love exists in the world, right? We know that God is love. Why wouldn't the love of God be the sacrifice of God for us? Of course it would be. That's what love is. Why wouldn't the supreme example and doorway to love be God sacrificing himself which is the meaning of love for us. I want you to know whatever you're facing, you don't have to have the answer right now. You can walk with this God. You can trust a God in agony for you who loves you. You can know that he loves you. And you know the other thing is, this is totally different than any other religious system. With a crucified Savior, We can always start over. See, because it's really not about our works. It's really not whether we're like racking up enough and, you know, we'll never get out of this hole and karma's going to, you know, sting us in the rear end one day or something like that. No. No, a crucified Savior has paid for all of our sins. A crucified Savior says it is finished. and, And when we put our trust in what Jesus did for us, we know him. And we are forgiven, past, present, and future. Can you get your arms around that? When we sin, we just repent. We don't make up for it. We just repent and walk with God. God puts us on the path. The only reason we can have repentance instead of penance or, you know, like doing this kind of algebra spiritually is because Christ has blown the algebra out of the water. Christ has already canceled all the debts forever. Our life gets to be this one big thank you note that we get to live for the rest of our lives. And when we're off, we say, God, I'm off and I repent and I want to turn back. And God puts us back uh, on the right path today. But there is one other reason that, uh, that they had this faith. And, and we find it in two places in the passage. And it has to do with um, the verse that says, some were tortured temponized some were tortured refused to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life what's talking about here is the the great hope of the resurrection that christ brings to us that that you can't have except in christ um those two women in 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 cluster one got their sons back and they, those sons were given back by God through a resurrection, came back from the dead, miraculous thing. And they came back and they were sick again and they died again. Uh, think about um, Lazarus. 
Remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Lazarus come out. Well, guess what? Lazarus died again. What this is saying is, hey, you can you can trust a, a crucified Savior. You can you can you faith can be faith in the love of God that you can trust. But you can also trust a resurrected Savior because guys, we don't we don't have this like pie in the sky by and by thing about our future. We have a risen human being. An actual risen human being in a body at the right hand of God showing us that we too, through his death and glorious resurrection, will be raised. We have an actual person, you see. This isn't just one day, some day, you know, over the rainbow or something. No. This is a better resurrection than if somebody were given back into this life. We know that he will do the same to us. Uh, the text says that we have something better than them, but it also says that, that somehow their lives, the people in Hebrews 11, are completed by our lives. This is an amazing thing. Verse 39, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Cluster 2. Since God had provided something better for us, this side of the resurrection and the cross, that apart from us, they shall not be made perfect. There is a story. And it's not just your story. The way you want to write it. Or I want to write it. There's a big story. And it's the story of the love of God for his creation. And the renewal of God in the hearts of men and eventually the renewal of all things. This is the big story that is unfolding right now. And this is the only story worth giving your life to. This is the story you want to come in with and see how how your story with Christ becomes a part of the, the, the shining forth and the giving life and love through Christ in the larger story. And, and, and you know, it says that, that they are made perfect or complete through us. It's kind of like this. Think about the big story. When they all died and went to heaven, the story continued. And the story continues to, 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 to roll. Some reap and others sow, Right? That doesn't make the sowers less important than the reapers. Both are a part of the story. Some people like these people in Hebrews 11 show us faith so we can see what it looks like. And in our life with the, with the particular challenges that we face today, which are different, so we can put our faith. And the story goes on, you see. And their, this big story and their part in it is made more complete as we walk in faith, in the love of God, and, and, and in Christ. And, and that this, this whole arc of the story becomes more complete. Uh, dear friends, it, it is worth it to walk in faith. Now, if you've put your trust in what Jesus has done on the cross for you, rather than try to, through your own merits, like impress a holy God and perhaps be accepted by, by your merits to get into heaven, not going to happen, I'm afraid to say. Um, and this, this is the story that, 
that is worth it. You know, the only two choices you have as a believer is to walk in faith or not. To trust in the love of God, walk in the love of God one step at a time, or to try to build your own story your way, which ain't going to work out. Anything that's rooted in selfishness and just keeps getting built, that's just a house of cards. Um, this is faith in the love of God. And, and here it is. In our lives, we can walk with God. We can trust in the love of God. And we can make an impact for the kingdom right where we live, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our work. Like, we matter. And as we move into this fall, and students, I want you to hear this. You matter Make an impact for the kingdom and maybe even inspire our children to trust. Wouldn't it be great? Kind of like the people in Hebrews 11 have inspired us. Wouldn't it be great for our children to see all of our adventures and misadventures, our total belief in God's grace and acceptance only in Jesus and resting in that and repenting even in front of them so they will know that it's free grace, but also seeing mom and dad really serious about the kingdom of God and really asking how mom and dad can make a, an impact in the name of Jesus. And, uh, and finally, one day to enjoy that resurrection together, that eternal city, the new Jerusalem, together. And uh, if you walk with God because the victory is not the answer, faith really is the victory. If you walk with God, you will go where only the Lord could have taken you. And your story will be so much more love-oriented and, frankly, so much more interesting than it ever would have been and redemptive for other people and the world in which we live in. This is faith. The just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you for this whole chapter just to learn what faith is again. I needed to learn again what faith is and what it looks like to live in faith. Lord, thank you that you're just calling us to trust in you one step at a time. We can do that today and you will lead us to do that. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done or if you've wondered whether you've put your trust in Christ and you you just see it and you see how beautiful and how complete this is and you want that just pray with me in your heart lord i see it it's it's amazing thank you and i want to turn away from everything that i have called religion and everything that i've called christianity and lord i I just want to put my trust in what you jesus have done for me on the cross and defeated sin on my behalf and what you've done on the empty tomb you defeated death for me thank you lord that even now you've forgiven me of all my sins because of what you've done Thank you that I can't lose this because it's what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that when I stray from you, I can always come back because of what you've done. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for quite some time, and we all experience the siren call of of our culture that says that we can control our lives, that we can build our lives like a puzzle, uh, that we can write our own story to be exactly what we want it to be. Lord, would you help us to reject that notion, not just because it's not even true in our own experience, it just hadn't worked out that way, but Lord, just because it doesn't lead 
to that life of love and joy and peace. God, would you lead us there by just taking a step with you today and another step tomorrow? And Lord, would you help us to look back and see things that were overcome by faith and also the ability to continue when things weren't overcome. But thank you, Lord, that you are here. And thank you for the ultimate victory in the resurrection and in the new Jerusalem. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.